0: Good morning. Good morning, Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, before we begin our worship, uh, first it's just a reminder that Harvest Home, believe it or not, is next Sunday. Uh, so you are invited to join us for Harvest Home next Sunday, uh, to stay and eat with us, bring a covered dish to share with us. Uh, And we'll continue the tradition of fellowship and the tradition of celebrating God's bountiful goodness to us and his abundant mercy. So plan to stay with us next Sunday for Harvest Home. Uh, Also today, we would also invite you to stay after church today and eat with us again. Uh, We had plenty of everything left over from yesterday. Uh, So we want to eat it. Uh, it's still good. It's very good. It was good yesterday. It'll be good today. Stay and eat with us. Uh, and then you don't have to go out and buy lunch and wait in line anything. Just stay and eat with us. Uh, the flowers you see on the organ this morning were given in memory of Rebecca Plogger. Uh, and just a note. I'm going to have Mary come up. But again, let me say thank you Uh for everyone who who made yesterday such a great day everyone who worked everyone who gave everyone who was here uh, it was just a special day for me and for my family uh, and you all made it possible so thank you again for for all that you did to make it possible now mary i believe has has an announcement in spite of everything
1: we did yesterday today is a uh, ministry appreciation So um, we appreciated you yesterday, and we appreciate you today. (laughs) So um, we just want to we're so glad now that we can call you after we've been waiting for so long. This is the card of our appreciation, and I just would like I think we should have a rounding applause.
0: thank you all again I can't say enough good about all of you and your generosity and kindness and I've never felt so appreciated in my life truly so so thank you all Uh, before we begin our worship does anyone else have announcements to share or prayer requests to share this morning right if not then I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare for worship. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we, we confess, confess that we are captive to sin. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all of our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. pray Almighty and most merciful God your bountiful goodness fills all creation keep us safe from all that may hurt us that whole and well in body and spirit we may with grateful hearts accomplish all that you would have us do through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord amen Amen.
2: A reading from Second Kings. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl, captive from the land of Israel, and she served. Naaman's wife she said to her mistress if only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy when the king of Israel read the letter he tore his clothes and said am I God to give death or life that this man sends words to me to cure a man of his leprosy Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more? when all he said to you was, Wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. The word of the Lord. We will now read responsibly Psalm 111. Hallelujah! I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Majesty and splendor mark your deeds, and your righteousness endures forever. You
1: cause your wonders to be remembered. You are gracious and full of
2: compassion. You give food to those who fear you, remembering forever your covenant.
1: You have shown your people the power of your works in giving them the lands of the nations.
2: The works of your hands are faithfulness and justice. All your precepts are sure. They stand fast
1: forever and ever, because they are done in truth
2: and equity. You sent redemption to your people and commanded your covenant forever. Holy and awesome is your name.
1: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice this have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever.
2: A reading from 2 Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words. Which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by Him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of of truth, the word of the Lord.
0: Holy Gospel according to Saint Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I invite you to be seated, children. I invite you forward. But I had to keep this in a bag because it's dirty, and I uh, didn't think it would be good in the church. But can you sort of see what's in there? Do you know what that is? <laughs> it's not a snake. Don't worry. <laughs> It's a chain, right? It's an old chain. Here, can you grab that? Can you pick it up? You don't have to grab the chain. Does that feel heavy? That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Does it feel heavy? Yeah, sort of, kind of. Magda, you want to turn? Does that feel heavy? Yeah. Yeah, what are chain, What can chains be used for? You know, with a chain, you can tie something up, right? So it doesn't move because the chain's really heavy, right? You can't really break the chain. Yeah? You can tie it down, you can keep it down, you can weigh it down, right? Chains are really tough and strong, right? You might chain a wild animal so it doesn't break away or something like that. Um, Our reading, our second reading, from the book of 2 Timothy has this great line that I love. St. Paul is writing this and he says, the word of God is not chained, right? He's saying the word of God is not tied down with heavy chains. Rather, the word of God is free. It can go wherever it wants. It's not chained down. So I was thinking how different that is to sometimes how we feel in this world. Sometimes we feel like we're chained down, right? Like we're so angry. or There's something really bad going on or something really sad going on. or something really awful going on. And we feel like it's weighing us down. It's holding us down. But Paul reminds us in the reading that the gospel, the word of God is never chained. It's always free. And so he's telling us even when we feel like everything in the world might be holding us down, like when bad things are happening, that we should put our hope in God's Word. Right? Because God's Word is true. God's Word is freeing. God's Word is our hope. So he's reminding us that in this world, there's always, always, always hope. Because God himself gives us his Word, and it's always free. Right? There's always hope. We're never completely chained down in this world. But God is always there with us. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you that your word is not chained, but that the power of your gospel frees us from the chains of this world. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I continue this morning to turn to 2 Timothy, our second reading, because I will confess that these readings really have been personal for me in this season of my life. So, the Apostle Paul, who is coming near to the end of his ministry as he writes from a Roman prison, shares his pastoral wisdom and insight with Timothy, his student. And so Timothy is still a young man, and it seems that he himself is a new pastor to a relatively new congregation of believers. And so we're very much presented with Paul's letters to a new pastor. Paul is passing on his wisdom and his experience. And so naturally, I've been taking much of this to heart as well. And more than that, as we get into 2 Timothy, Paul is telling us about his trust in God. He's telling us that he has a God he does not doubt. And that's remarkable because Paul is sitting chained up in a prison. He is actively being persecuted. He is currently facing his very own execution. And there he is writing to Timothy, telling him about his trust in God, even as he sits in prison. In chapter 2, Paul begins to hone in on the very issue of suffering. He is letting Timothy know that it's expected that Christians will suffer. And so Paul is reminding Timothy that his own sitting in prison, his own being bound in chains, is really nothing special. Suffering, hardships, trials, and tribulations are all part of what it means to be faithful in a present evil age. So I'm not one to boil down sermons to practical advice like 12 ways to strengthen your marriage or something like that. But in a way, that's what we see here from St. Paul. Here we receive from St. Paul a picture of how to face suffering. And suffering broadly defined, right? It could be persecution from the government just as Paul is facing. Now, most of us probably won't face persecution for our faith, But it's common that Christians throughout the world don't have that secure place to worship, that they don't have security in their faith. This also could be suffering defined as temptation, right? There might be some particular sin that's troubling you. It might be suffering that comes from the failing of your own body. That could be illness, could be an accident, could be injury, could be aging, it could be the suffering that comes with grief. It could be the suffering that comes with stress or any number of hardships that you can name. Whatever it is, though, none of us will get through this life without suffering. And so, what are we as Christians to do about it? How are we to face the hardships of our life? And so, let's be clear first off that there's no easy solution. The Christian does not believe that there's a magic snap of the fingers that's going to make everything easier. No, we call a thing for what it is. Suffering is suffering. Hardship is hardship. There's no shortcutting that in this life. So when St. Paul writes to Timothy, he's not telling him anything that will make his suffering easier. Instead, he gives him encouragement to persevere through his suffering. He is encouraging him that his suffering is not in vain; it's not pointless. And at the end of all of it, there's going to be a reward beyond imagination. When Timothy, when Paul encourages Timothy to persevere in suffering, he first says, "Remember Jesus Christ." Remember Jesus Christ. That's how the verse starts with that command: "Remember Jesus Christ." He's not simply saying, remember the good example of Jesus as you suffer. Well, that might be a good thing to do, as we might remember heroes of past history. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul here is saying that you can call to mind Jesus Christ because Jesus gives meaning to your hardships. Jesus Christ is in your suffering with you. Jesus has suffered for you. And now he also walks with you as you suffer. And so to remember Jesus Christ is to keep your eyes on him. It is to avail yourself of what he has done for you, to trust that he has accomplished life and righteousness for you. It's to trust that he will not fail you. In verse 11, Paul illustrates this by quoting an early hymn. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. In Paul's Greek, if we have died with him, is really just one word that could be translated something like fellow dyers. And then we will also live with him as one word, fellow livers. He is emphasizing the union we have with Jesus Christ. If we are ones who are fellow dyers with Christ, then we are ones who are fellow livers with Christ as well. Paul is saying that our identities are so wrapped up with Christ that as we suffer, we suffer with Christ. And likewise, if Christ is the one who is the victor over suffering through his resurrection, then we are assured that we are also fellow victors. When we become fellow endurers with Christ, we become fellow reigners with Christ. We reign with him as kings. Our identities are completely tied up to what Christ has done for us. In the small catechism, Luther puts it like this, Jesus Christ has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death, so that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is Paul's reminder to Timothy. We belong to the one who has endured. We belong to the one who has suffered faithfully. We belong to the one who has been raised from the dead. Our present and our future are entirely connected to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because he lives, then also we live. Paul tells Timothy in verse 9, I suffer hardship, I'm here chained up like a criminal, but the word of God is not chained. Here again is the encouragement that we do not suffer in vain. And what a beautiful image Paul leaves us with. The word of God is not chained. It's a resurrection image. The Son of God was not defeated by death. Christ was never silenced by the leaders in Jerusalem, He was not done away with by Pontius Pilate. Satan could not defeat Christ. The Word of God cannot be chained. Paul says that he can suffer hardship in this life because he knows that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. If that's true, then all of the suffering and hardship in this life take on different meanings. It doesn't mean suffering isn't real or that it isn't difficult but it means that suffering is not final. There is a hope that's greater than anything we know in this world. There is the hope of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And the word of God is not chained. You can be in chains, but the word is not chained. You can suffer, but the word of God will still touch your heart. You can be in a pit, you can be despondent, you can be stuck in some sin, you can be full of doubt and uncertainty, but the word of God is still powerful. What Christ has done for you is still true, and it can never be untrue, because the word of God is not chained. Near where we used to live in eastern Kentucky, close to the Cumberland Gap, is a little town called Pineville, uh, Pine Mountain, sits on the other side of Pineville and overlooks the town and on a bluff on Pine Mountain overlooking the town, there's this ominous looking boulder. And so there was a legend in Pineville that told children that the rock sitting above town would not give away, that it wouldn't come tumbling down the mountain onto the town because a giant had chained it to the mountain. It was stuck there. It was tied to the mountain. And so in the 1930s, actually, some men climbed up to the boulder, and they drilled holes into the boulder, and they attached a chain to the rock to make the legend come true. And so you can hike up there and see that the boulder is chained to the mountain, and so the children of town don't have to worry about it anymore. Paul is telling us that the message of the gospel is not like that chained rock at all. Instead, the message of the gospel is the rock that is rolling off the mountain. It's unstoppable. The gospel is that which is too big and too strong to be stopped. There's nothing that can happen in our lives. There's nothing that can happen in this world that will make the gospel powerless to save us. And so in knowing the power of this message, Paul gives a final bit of encouragement to Timothy. He says, don't be ashamed. For Timothy in particular, he is saying, you will suffer, you will have hardships, but don't be ashamed as a pastor of Christ as you suffer. In other words, your hardships are not a sign that you have done something wrong. There were those opponents of Paul who believed that his imprisonment was a sign that God wasn't really with him. They believed that Paul's imprisonment was evidence that Paul's message was not true. Right? How could God let this great apostle be chained up in prison? Paul must be wrong, according to his opponents. So here Paul is reassuring Timothy, saying when we suffer, we're suffering with Christ. We are suffering as ones united to the one who has suffered for us. And so we don't need to be ashamed of our suffering. It doesn't prove that we are unfaithful or that the gospel we put our trust in is wrong. And we can be tempted to think like that at times. That when we face hardships, when we face grief, that we've done something wrong. That maybe we haven't prayed hard enough, we haven't believed hard enough. That God is punishing us. But that's not it at all. Paul is saying the truth is that we will face hardships. But in those hardships, the good news is that we live in constant hope. We confess that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God. And so, even in our suffering and our hardships and our trials, we are given assurance that we will reign with Christ. Because he has endured, we will endure. Because he has been faithful to the end, we will be saved. Because he has been crucified, because he has risen, we will be risen with him. And so we suffer, but we suffer not in despair. We suffer in hope, because the word of God is not chained. Amen. let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Faithful Lord, by your Holy Spirit, teach us to pray Jesus, Master, have mercy on us and to trust that you have cleansed us by his blood. Grant that we, like the former leper, would raise our voices of praise in joyful thanksgiving to your love. Lord, in your mercy. God of all truth, have mercy upon those whom you have called to proclaim your gospel. Preserve them from entanglements, fortify them in faithfulness when they must suffer, and remind them always that your word is not chained. Lord, in your mercy. God of hope, if we are faithless, you remain faithful, for you cannot deny yourself. Remember those you baptized who have left the faith, grant them penitent hearts that they might obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory Lord in your mercy Hear our God of mercy in your loving care you watch over all who are sick and ill encourage and strengthen all doctors nurses all emergency personnel and all of those who care for those who are sick ill or dying Lord in your mercy Hear our Mighty Savior, bring to an end all war and violence. Guide and protect those who defend us against our enemies, those who preserve order against the threat of terror, especially Joseph, our president, Richard Michael, our governor, and all of those who sit in judgment over evildoers, that justice and peace may prevail, and we may all work together for the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our God of all help. You hear the cries of the righteous and deliver them from their troubles and fears. Remember all who cry to you for mercy, especially Owen, Tom, Tana, Ray, Marilyn, Wendell, Marcia, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Alan, and help them according to your good and gracious will. Lord, in your mercy. In your Merciful Lord, grant that we may with grateful hearts receive all these things according to your will. Let us respond with voices of praise and thanksgiving and lives of holiness and righteousness, displaying and form the faith that lives in our hearts. Give us faith that works in love, hope that does not disappoint, compassion that does not fail, and confidence in your mercy that does not waver, that we may live in your faith and fear all of our days, and at length fall asleep in your arms of mercy into everlasting peace, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
1: And also with you.
0: Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father. Our Father Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Peace. Serve the Lord.